populist perspective. It's about right cats. Let's get into the news. First, Nikki Haley just finished an astonishingly bad performance in Nevada where she lost to nobody. Um, despite this, Haley will continue to her home state of South Carolina where presumably she will lose to Donald Trump and you know, at, at that point, presumably drop out. Um, this week, the Nevada uh, GOP primary had two separate um, contests that uh, confused a lot of voters in, an, in Nevada who weren't sure whether to vote in the caucus or the, um, uh, the primary. And what that boils down to is a law that was passed by the mostly Democratic uh, Nevada um, state government that required that there be a um, primary in all um, in, intrastate, inter, intra-party uh, elections within the state of um, Nevada. The GOP, famously uh, loving tradition, not really caring that their uh, caucus system is completely undemocratic and expects people to stay in one place for hours and hours and hours and um, ends up completely ruining the point of holding any kind of a election within the GOP to begin with. Uh, they decided that they were going to hold that primary because they were legally uh, re required to, but that that primary wouldn't actually factor into any of the, the delegates cast at the RNC. Those delegates would only be decided by the caucus. And so Donald Trump chose to run in the caucus because that's the, the one that mattered. Nikki Haley confusingly decided to run in the primary, even though the primary wouldn't help her at all to get to the finish line. Uh, and a, a lot of that thinking came down to if she's in a race completely by herself, then there's no way she could lose, right? If it's literally her, if the options are her, and that's the last option, then she'll win that and it'll look like a victory. It'll look like, at least from a PR perspective, she won Nevada since there was no chance she could ever win Nevada without her being the only candidate. Turns out, even though she was the only candidate, she still lost because there is another uh, legal factor that comes into play um, in Nevada, and that's that along with the list of candidates to vote for, there's legally required to be an option that is, quote, none of these candidates. She lost to none of these candidates. <laughs> and if if there was any semblance of hope that maybe, just maybe, Nikki Haley might come out of Nevada stronger than when she went in, that was just abysmal. The option was her or nobody, and the GOP picked nobody. Now, there are many factors as to why this may have happened. The first is that many Trump supporters may have voted in that election without Trump anyway, 
um, simply to spite Nikki Haley. And that would make a lot of sense. A very, very large, almost 60% of the GOP is some form of a Trump voter, whether on the sort of hard extreme, would never leave Trump, or the Trump-leaning, will vote for Trump candidate, any of those people could have been in that primary. Another factor is that very few, very few people actually voted um, within that primary compared to what you might expect in an election where the primary is the only option, right? And that factors down to confusion among which election to vote in, Trump actually telling his supporters not to vote in that primary. So that's going to take out a huge portion of the GOP right there. Makes sense because he's not in that election. He wants to um, win a, a caucus. But uh, that sort of more limited pool could have also contributed to um, Nikki Haley not being able to do as well as she might have been had um, she been able to get more. But I mean, I, all of this is really grasping at straws. The real, the real, the real reason is that people just don't like Nikki Haley. Independently of Trump, Nikki Haley was never going to be a good candidate for the GOP. And that's because she's a neocon. She's trying to run for the president like it's still 2000, right? 2000 to 2008. Um, she's acting like that's still the GOP. Well, it's not. The GOP has moved on. They don't want neocons anymore. Neocons, in some ways, have now taken up the right wing to moderate end of the Democratic Party, which is crazy because just 20 years ago, the neocons were our morbid enemy. And now they're kind of uh, without a home in some ways. Many of them have become independents. Uh, you'll see a whole lot of them on uh, cable news <laughs> lamenting the days gone by of George W. Bush. Um, but Nikki, Nikki Haley, and actually a lot of the people that ran for president this time, were trying to go back to a, a point in history that doesn't really exist anymore. The, the party of 2000, 2004, 2008, even 2012, that, that's not here anymore. That's over, it's ended. You can never go back to that point in history where elections were between neoliberal Democrats and neoconservative uh, Repu Republicans. That's not how the party structure works anymore. But Nikki Haley can't see that. And honestly, as someone who worked in Trump's cabinet, if she wanted to run as a sort of rah-rah MAGA Ramaswamy type, she, she could have. You know, no one really up until that point knew what her pol political positions were going to be like. She could have taken any positioning on anything she wanted to and the media and everyone kind of would have just accepted it. And so from a, from a strategy perspective, she could have had any opinion on anything she wanted to, and yet she chose to take the opinion um, of a sort of party that it's over. And so of course she's going to lose in an election, even when she's not running against Donald Trump because Nikki Haley doesn't represent the party that she's trying to secure the nomination for. And um, really, I think even if Donald Trump wasn't in the race, he would just get replaced by Ramaswamy, right? He get or by Don Jr. 
or by Rudy Giuliani or any number of people that represent the GOP, the absolute crazy um, party of buffoonery that it now is, any of those people represent that uh, party and what the constituents of, those, of that party want better than Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley does not represent what the real core of the GOP wants. She represents what the Koch brothers want. She represents what the large money, money donors want, right? The, the, the well-educated, wealthy GOP that for a very, very long time was the kind of, um, the kind of boogeyman for a lot of uh, Democrats and progressives. Well, I, 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 as it turns out, once you get a figure like Trump in the mainstream, there, there, re there really is no place left for all those big donors. And the question of what's gonna happen to all that Coke money if it can't go effectively to someone like Nikki Haley, that's gonna be a real question for a lot of those moneyed interests in the following decades. And you know, them having some of the smartest lawyers in the world, I'm sure they'll figure out a way. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, to, in any way possible, shift the party back to their ideological roots. But it's gonna take a lot of work and effort. And I just don't think that within the GOP, voters really listen to money the way they used to, the way that they did when they nominated uh, um, any number of the candidates during the 2000s and 2010s. But I mean, specifically Mitt Romney, very, very wealthy. That was kind of, he was governor of Massachusetts, but how did he become governor of Massachusetts? He was very, very wealthy. That was his main credential. That's what uh, drew people to him. And in some ways, that's what drew people to Trump initially before Trump became so much more than his wealth. Um, but this is going to be very, very interesting to, to see, I think. At the end of the day, this whole thing with Nevada doesn't really mean much in terms of delegates. This is really only a political PR travesty. But, um, of course, once Nikki Haley drops out of the race, we'll keep talking about that. Uh, how the party is going to progress in the age of Trump. Uh, keep following along for more of that. That is Nikki Haley and the state of the GOP. Next, the Supreme Court has now heard a case on whether former President Trump should be excluded from the 2024 ballot. The incentive behind this was on a 14th Amendment clause banning insurrectionists from office. And uh, in some ways, you know, is Donald Trump an insurrectionist, legally speaking? There's a lot of debate around that. Um, I think that there is some level of merit to the idea that he could qualify for that. Um, and I think it's good that this is getting its day in court, although from having uh, witnessed what has happened with these hearings, to some degree, it kind of seems like the... the justices made up their mind before any of this happened. They were very, very skeptical of that idea that banning Donald Trump from the ballot could work, even though I think it's a plausible idea. I think that there should be a real nuanced discussion about this. I'm not saying 
that Donald Trump should unequivocally, unequivocally be allowed to be banned from um, the election altogether. But I think it is a very, very uh, solid idea that should get its day. And uh, whatever the decision, there should be a real nuanced discussion about it. Um, and uh, the reasoning kind of, um, ha I mean, there's, there's sort of conflicting ideas on here. Originally, this clause and the 14th Amendment in general was kind of aimed at uh, rebuilding, reconstruction was when it was passed after the Civil War. And part of that was uh, major leaders in the Confederacy who had actively and openly uh, opposed the Union. The U.S. government didn't want them back in office. Funny enough, a whole bunch of people from the Confederacy came right back. No real question about it. Alexander Stevens walked right on back. No one blinked, blinked an eye. Um, <coughs> sorry. Sorry. Um, but uh, <laughs> outside of that, the original intention was uh, surrounding the Civil War. Does that mean that's the only place where this law, law is applicable? No, of course it doesn't mean that. If we treated laws that way, you know, the first the First Amendment would only be about criticizing the Alien and Sedition Acts and nothing else. Um, but, uh, yeah, laws aren't meant to only exist in the context of when they were written. They're meant to be expanded and used as principles for our modern-day world. Um, now, of course, the other argument of that is, is this undemocratic? I don't, I mean, there is some degree to which this is undemocratic. Is it good, it, it, like, it does the pro of eliminating Donald Trump from the political sphere outweigh the con of doing it against the people's will? I don't know. You know, when you look back through history at some of the worst figures to hold office, a lot of people say they would get rid of them if they could, but a lot of those people came in with public support, you know? And so you can't really blame a lot of the figures, uh, negative figures of history solely on their existence. You have to blame them on the group of people that enabled them, that brought them to that level of power. And so had there not been uh, a Genghis Khan, a Julius Caesar, Benito Mussolini, Adolf Hitler, whoever, had there not been them, that force that existed at the time, that sort of mental reckoning, very likely could have happened with somebody else. And so would taking Donald Trump off the ballot actually help the United States and help the political uh, sort of turmoil that we have right now end? I don't know. I think there's a very good argument to be made that getting rid of Donald Trump will just cause him to be replaced uh, presumably by Don Jr., but also by any number of people that represent the same values and interests as, as him. The one thing, the one thing that I think might improve without Donald Trump is I think that he is uniquely anti-election in a way that other people aren't. We saw this 
when he spearheaded in 2022 people like Dr. Oz, who conceded. Um, and you had the occasional Carrie Lake, who did, not, who did not concede. But a lot of the people who are in that Trump wing are still okay with the idea of concession. He is not. Replacing him with an exact clone that is okay, that the only difference is will concede an election. I think that's that would be a net positive. At this point, taking Trump out of the race might be undemocratic since there wouldn't really be time for anyone to uh, come in and re replace him. However, if let's just say he loses in 2024 and mirac miraculously in his 80s wants to run in 2028, I think that we should be prepared at that point at a different stage, maybe consider trying to um, figure out a way to sort of slowly push him out of the limelight. Um, but considering the modern GOP and the sort of cult of personality where it's, it's very, very unlikely anyone will actually be able to successfully take over those reins, we'll see, you know? Um, but I, I think that that undemocratic principle is very, um, it, 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 it is also a very solid argument. And so I'm not saying that one of these two options is inherently better than the other. I think both need to be considered reasonably. And I think that uh, Colorado's stance and um, the stance of uh, the lawyers of Trump, you know, however inept they may be as representatives of Trump and also just as lawyers. He's he pretty bad lawyers. I think both should be heard out. Um, that is Trump v. Anderson, the Supreme Court case that will get decided relatively soon um, as far as Supreme Court cases go. Next, we have disgraced former Fox News host Tucker Carlson interviewing dictator of Russia Vladimir Putin, sorry, pres president, dictator of, of Russia, Vladimir Putin. Uh, the following uh, years-long war w with Ukraine that Putin and Russia have engaged with. Th this follows just an absolute chaos of a war for Putin. A war that was clearly, unequivocally, an invasion onto land that Russia did not own, never owned, and onto land that he had no right invading. And it was very, very clear, it's still clear, Russia wants that land for itself as part of the country of Russia. It's trying to annex and then take over permanently land from a different country. Vladimir Putin is acting like it's the 1700s, and yet Tucker Carlson is trying to normalize that. And a lot of the GOP is trying to normalize that, and that's terrible. We're not in the 1700s anymore. You can't take land if you feel like it. Many places, including the U.S., still go into countries that we shouldn't be going into. But at least we have the decency, the, the tiniest sliver of decency, not to make Iraq literally uh, a, a dominion of the United States. You know? Uh, but that's exactly what Putin wants. Putin wants ownership permanent ownership 
over Eastern Europe. All of it, if he can get it. Um, and who says he'll stop at Eastern Europe? Maybe he'll go in all directions, east, west, south. The, the little bit north he can go, having you know, ownership of Russia. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's disgraceful that someone like Tucker Carlson would uh, sort of profile him in that way when there is really no both sides about this. Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, a separate country, not one that is you know, more culturally Russian than Ukrainian. No, Ukraine is Ukraine. They speak a different language. There are a different group of people in a different country. And you, Vladimir Putin tried to, and is still currently invading that country. It's against international law. And there is no place for his ideas to be heard here. That's not how this works. There's no both sides when talking about someone like Vladimir Putin. And the fact that Tucker Carlson was trying to create a both sides where there is none, I think just shows how absolutely incompetent he is as a person. And I'm glad he's off of Fox News now only because of all of the legal troubles he caused them. But it saddens me that he was ever on Fox News to begin with. And before that, CNN, a major uh, American network, had Tucker Carlson on the air. It's a very, very dangerous thing to do. It's very, very dangerous. And this both sidesism with these horrendous, horrendous dictators cannot last. It, we cannot let this become part of the cultural consciousness at all that Vladimir Putin is in any way normal. Vladimir Putin is not normal. Vladimir Putin is as normal as any dictator before him, any dictator after him, in that he is not. Um, and we cannot, we cannot let him or this interview stand in any way. That's Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin. Last story. The super, this is going to be a, a short one, but kind of a funny one. The Super Bowl. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have won the Super Bowl with their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, and tight end, Travis Kelsey. According to Trump Lunatics, this is not the result of the Chiefs simply being a good team. No, 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 no. This is a conspiracy. This is the result of a psyop from Joe Biden to uh, make to make Travis Kelsey uh, date Taylor Swift, then have the Chiefs win and pay pay the uh, 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 pay San Francisco, and then you steal, and then it's Super Bowl, and then, and then they're gonna endorse you, and then somehow that's gonna result in Joe Biden winning the election. What's absurd about this? What's absurd about this? It's not just that it is completely untrue. Also, that that's just a really lame conspiracy. And it makes no sense why, if you're the president, if you're the president of the United States, even if you can do something like this, which of course Joe Biden can't. You can't just start doing psyops whenever you feel like it. That's that, like, that's impossible. But even if he could, why would you do it like this? This would just be the worst way to garner support. Get Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey to endorse you? Not that, like that's, 
Think of all of the things that you could do as president of the United States to commit a conspiracy. And instead of doing any of those things, instead, you decide to rig the Super Bowl with a lot of money. Money that presumably came from somewhere. Maybe it was printed by the mint. Has that happened? No. Maybe it's from taxes, a secret tax. No, it's not, it's not from there. Where is this money apparently coming from? It, I guess, just appeared. It, it just appeared in thin air. Because, I don't know, I guess Biden just has enough money personally in his bank account to rig the Super Bowl with the $400,000 that the President of the United States makes every year. I'm sure that's enough to uh, pay... Like, it's, it's not even a thing of, of like truthfulness to this it's it's just absurd it, and it's also just really lame like it's, it's it's such a bad conspiracy you know at, at least faking the moon landing makes sense from like a uh like that 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 would be something that someone would want to do someone would want to give the impression of having gone to the moon no one would rig the super bowl for something as stupid as this this is this is absurd on like multiple levels um and you know <laughs> Vivek Ramaswamy uh tweeting I wonder who's gonna win the Super Bowl uh there there's there's just there are almost in some ways too many layers to this to unpack so you know explaining jokes is what kills them and I think this is very very funny so I'm not gonna dive into this any further I just thought I'd uh, do that to close out the episode. I think that's just, <laughs> just, just one of the, just, you know, every once in a while, you kind of need something funny like this to happen in politics, just to lighten the mood from everything else that's going on. Uh, but that's all we have for today's episode. We will see you back in two weeks. It's Mas Red Cats. Good night.